Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Hello, Northwest Arkansas. Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas, big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilbur. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn. And today, today I braved the rain and I drove up from Fayetteville to Rogers, Arkansas to hang out with John Allen, who is between him and his wife, Andrea, are the founders of Onyx Coffee Lab. I am in a beautiful reconditioned building right here, just off the square in downtown Rogers, They are doing a ton of construction work, but I imagine when they're done on the outside with the street and everything, this place is going to be amazing. As a matter of fact, I know it will be amazing because of the information that was shared with me by the Rogers Convention and Visitors Bureau about the plans that they have for this place. So it's almost as if John and Andrea got in at the right time. And without further ado, I just want to introduce to the audience John Allen, founder of Onyx Coffee Lab. John, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing good. Good. Yeah, excited good. to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here myself. And as I was saying to you before, with my quick mistake that I made because I didn't hit the record button. And yes, folks, even seasoned podcasters <laughs> sometimes don't hit the record button, but that's okay. We got a dry run before the run. So, but I was telling John, it took me forever and a day to really connect with these guys. It was, this was a company I, I've been going to Onyx down over on Township and what is that street? Greg. Uh, Greg, thank you. Township yeah. and Greg. There's an Onyx right there. And that's generally the one that I go to. And I got to say that I think I'm going to be making trips up to Rogers on a regular basis to come Perfect. to come drink some coffee up here. But yeah, I told John that if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And I didn't succeed at first in getting these guys on the podcast. And I kept trying and I kept trying and I kept trying. And here we are today. So John, thank you so much for joining me today. I just, I would love for you to share a little bit with our audience, a little bit of your superhero origin story about how you guys got started. And I know you were originally a barista and that's where you've got your taste of coffee, but talk about how you got here. Oh man. You know, we sort of just tripped over some specialty coffee trees and like landed in the business itself. I don't know. I don't, it's a convoluted story of essentially, we, you know, we were both baristas growing up, like we had talked about earlier and had fallen in love with the community aspect of coffee more so than the sensory side of coffee at first. And, but I had never really envisioned it as being a career. I, I thought I wanted to play music. And, and <laughs> so I had joined a band that, that I was a fan of in high school and, and started touring about seven or eight years of my life. And what instrument? I play guitar. Okay. Or I All attempted. Right. I was okay. like an average guitar okay. player. Right. And, right. and yeah, quickly, or maybe not so quickly, but really started to understand that I uh, was kind of tired of travel. We were doing, you know, 250 shows a year. Wow. I was gone eight months out of the year. And so, yeah, it was a lot. And at that time, just sort of saw an opportunity to get into coffee. And so, honestly, at first, it was the community aspect and the sort of just the financial and foundation aspect to get into it. And then I'm sort of an all or nothing person. So once we committed to coffee, I don't know, it just kind of like took over my life like an infection. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get rid of it. And soon I was traveling again, just the same amount, but for coffee instead for of music. And so I don't know, it feels kind of like destined yeah. now maybe, but it wasn't the long-term plan at yeah. the time. How about and that? running a band is actually very similar to running, you know, a small business this way. So it's like, it kind of goes hand in hand, you know, it's like 50% hard work, 20% artistry, yeah, a dash of luck and a dash of right timing. And like, you know, it's no different than the music industry, really. Yeah. Well, I would say that, that certainly it was no accident that you <laughs> got a chance to cut your teeth with a band. And now look at where you are. When I look at this I would call it a gleaming edifice, this building, this community, because it's funny you use the word community, and we'll talk about the sensory piece of coffee in a minute, but you really, there is a certain, you have a certain clientele that comes here to Onyx, right? I mean, there are people that appreciate coffee, that appreciates the care and the time and the effort that you put into this. I mean, it's an art form, if you will. Yeah. And we were talking a little bit earlier, and, and I was, you know, you kind of, I was kind of throwing out my knowledge of great places that I experienced. And then you kind of threw right back at me when we started talking about some of the places in the Bay Area that I spent a lot of time at, at like Cafe Strada and the French Hotel, which was, which by the way, was really interesting because I used to go to the French Hotel in the morning and have coffee and sit there with Eldridge Cleaver, 
who wrote Souls on Ice, mm. who was a Black Panther. And it was kind of an interesting dynamic. of and, cool. and And it was right across the street from Alice Waters' restaurant, mm-hmm. Chez Panis. And yep. I mean, you had all these juxtaposed, you know, different things pointing at the same place. And But everybody got around coffee. There was something about that, you know. There is something about the coffee shop. I mean, it, it was immortalized in Friends. It's been immortalized in a lot of other TV shows and movies. But there's something about being able to come to a place and, you know, have a good cup of coffee and, and really enjoy it. And it wasn't that long ago that people didn't give coffee a second thought. Right. And now it's everywhere. And it's, I mean, we have, we have words for it, coffee culture. Right. And it's a big deal. But I mean, you guys jumped on the bandwagon early and you were actually able to deliver a product and an experience right here in Northwest Arkansas that I would dare say probably didn't exist before you guys started. Is that correct? I mean, I'm not counting Starbucks. That's the elephant in the room. Everybody, but there's a Starbucks everywhere, but no. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the goal at least was to I mean, really, when we set out with Onyx, we wanted a cafe or a brand or we wanted coffees that were representative of us, that mm-hmm. were a little more aggressive and, and lighter roasted and sort of a community around coffee people. I mean, the, the funny thing about Onyx is that we are, and even to this day, our market is coffee people. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not, I mean, it's it's great that the cafes are full and that we have customers and that you are the you know, the college student or the yoga mom or whoever ends up being in there, right? That they come. But like at the end of the day, we market ourselves to baristas, to cafe owners, to coffee producers, to the industry itself. Like that is, that's who we are. Yeah. We're coffee people. And so we wanted a space for coffee people that weren't there for anything else. Yeah. I guess. And- Absolutely. No, that and that makes perfect sense. I think, you know, like I said, when I come here, it's a different kind of experience than some of the experiences that I've been, I've had at other coffee shops. And you, A, you, you know, you want to be educated about the process and how you, you know, how you brew your coffee, the type of coffee that you utilize. And so right. I, I'd love for you just to kind of share the thinking when you guys got into this, you were baristas, you got bit by the, the coffee bug, no pun intended, mm-hmm. and you developed from there and said, you know what, we are going to do things a little differently. But what kind of took you on that trajectory that said, you know what, we're going to we're going to go deep in this. Like you said, right. you, you talked to me about Ethiopia before and the fact that you've traveled there. And I mean, you've brought coffee in from all over the world. I think the last time or one time when I was talking to you, they were telling me that, yeah, everybody's headed to Boston for some big event. Right. And, you know, there's always something going on. So, I yeah. mean, you don't just talk about it or say, hey, we want to be this, you know, right. special place. You actually you have immersed yourself in it. Yeah. You know, when we say it sort of took over our life, it took over our life and not in a bad way. I think, you know, coffee has just become such a big part of who we are and we almost self-identify with it because we love the industry so much. I mean, I can't, there's nothing else like it out there for good or for bad. The coffee industry is, in our opinion, is the greatest industry that's ever been and, and the people involved are unbelievable. So, you know, for our sort of roots with it, we were... We were just really focused on bringing not just a new experience to Northwest Arkansas, I think, because that feels sort of trite almost, but like essentially all the things that we liked that were going out of the places, we didn't want to just kind of like mimic that and bring that here, but try to do something new to, I don't know, I guess we're both a little bit competitive. So it's like, you know, we want to be the best roaster in the United States, not in Fayetteville or right. in Northwest Arkansas or whatever it is. And so because of that, that has ended up making us go 
all over, you know, and, right. and sort of like see the roots. Once you start to experience that, it, it sort of changes you from the inside out, right? That yeah. you start to, you know, you spend a month in Colombia or you stay with a family on the farm and you start to kind of understand the struggle. And then you want to tell that story because you want other people to appreciate that story. And then you want them to appreciate the fact that they took a risk, a risk on some rare coffee variety. And this is why it tastes this way. And like, you just kind of like, it just snowballs into this thing that you can't control anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, a terrible it, way to put it. No, no, it, it is. It's, I have another word for it. I, I call it an all consuming fire. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that to me would be what, you know, that just, cause I can see the passion that's coming out of you as far as you talk about this. And certainly, I mean, you, you've got to be excited for what has been, but you know, how do you shepherd all of this and bring in people that can help you grow this business and, and really be something special? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, you know, what Onyx is, is, is its staff at like the end of the day, like we are a pretty tight knit family. I mean, we're actually sort of like our biggest struggle right now is to figure out like, how are, how are we growing and maintaining the way we've run our business for so long? Because, you know, our staff are our, our friends, our family, we travel and live with them all the time. And so, you know, we're now at a hundred strong or so, and that's a different mentality. And so, that's been a real struggle that we actually haven't figured out. Maybe you can tell me after the podcast and you can, you can school <laughs> me on business. But yeah, I don't know. Like I, the people that are in our place, what we call like our core staff have been with us really from the beginning. What year was that? And uh, that was in 2012. Okay. Wow. So and, it's uh, only been seven years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we had a roastery prior to that called Anonymous Coffee Roasters, which okay. I had started four years prior, which was really how... I cut my teeth sort of in the industry and we still run that company today as sort of a quality controlled onyx and really allows us to do what we do because it gives us an outlet for all our mistakes. Yeah. And so, but yeah, the, you know, the people here, you know, they, the culture of the staff and what they bring is everything of who we are. I mean, it's kind of like becomes half the focus, you know. Yeah. I can imagine. You know, the average turnover in coffee is actually quite large. And so, to have you know a majority of our core staff here from six seven years is gives us a real leg up in the industry and also allows us to kind of like have a partnership or or even though we don't have maybe like real investors within the company it's my wife and I we do have these people that are like solely invested that we treat as like bringing the ideas to the table mm -hmm. that are implemented that are founders like us yeah you know? well and obviously sounds like you guys you operate from a more of a collaborative environment. It's not just everything flows down from John and Andrea. It's, I mean, obviously you guys have your ideas, but you look to the rest of the people at the table for sure to help you out. Yeah. I mean, and really not just the people work that working for us, but like the coffee, the, like the high end, especially coffee community as a whole. I mean, we're pretty, it's a pretty tight knit industry. And so whether it's through coffee competitions or maybe it's competitive wholesale or, you know, I see, tons of coffee buyers in the field all over the world. We become, while we're competitors, we be also become friends and mm -hmm. we learn from each other and we sort of give and take. And really we, I think high-end specialty coffee is still, while it seems maybe like it's pop culture now, it, it, we still have a bit of a like little brother aspect or we feel like there's a chip on our shoulder and that, you know, rising waters will rise all tides. And so we all sort of still want to push each other and like, really put coffee to the forefront because in our mind, it's still 
devalued in the public's eye, you know? Yeah, no, um, it definitely is. I think, you know, you, you certainly bring a different appreciation to coffee and you have created an atmosphere that where people just want to kind of come in and see what it's all about. Maybe they weren't a coffee drinker before, but now they're like, yeah, I go to this Onyx place all the time and right. I feel special when I come in here. So now I'm learning a little bit more about coffee because, right. you know, I tell people all the time, you know, if people laugh and my mother's, she'll come and visit and, you know, she's like, go buy me some Folgers. And I'm like, Folgers? Right. <laughs> you gotta be kidding right. me. I mean, that's like heresy, but you know, I mean, some people just don't understand and that's okay. And I'm not throwing my mom under the bus. I'm just saying that, you know, there's coffee and then there's coffee. Right. And I think you guys are trying to create a different experience with it. And you've gone to great length, like great lengths, like you said, to identify the best coffee available. And that's basically taking you all over the world. You said Ethiopia. Where else have you been? Yeah. So I, well, recently, this last year, I've actually hired someone to help me buy. So I've I've been traveling a little less, which is honestly really nice because we have two children now. But <laughs> right. before I was about four months on the road internationally. And so it was you know, a lot of work in East Africa. So Kenya, Ethiopia, Burundi, you know, we would travel through Rwanda and the Congo, but never bought any coffee, always struggled to find, find specialty coffee there. And then Colombia is a big staple for us as a brand. So we probably make five or six trips a year to Colombia. Colombia is the only country with a year-round harvest. Right. So, is that just because of the climate? Yeah, there's so many different little microclimates within Colombia that we can always go to a different region and find fresh coffee. Okay. You know, otherwise, most countries all have one harvest, right? And so, when you see Kenya on the menu 12 months out of the year at your local Starbucks, it's like you're at some point you're drinking 11 month old coffee. <laughs> like whether you know it or not, it's just yeah. the reality of yeah. harvest. Yeah. You know, so in South America, it'd be Colombia and Peru, and we continue to go to Brazil, though we don't buy coffee there yet. And then Central America, it's essentially everywhere from yeah. Honduras, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Panama. Nicaragua? Nicaragua. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, have a, we don't actually currently buy coffee from Nicaragua, but I go to Managua every year okay. to the auctions to taste coffees, and then we just haven't purchased it yet. Yeah. And exporting from Nicaragua right now is sort of a nightmare, but we probably don't have time to talk about that. But <laughs> but those are our main sort of areas. There's like sort of eight origins that are all sort of signifies what we think grows sort of the highest in coffee. And there's a whole grading scale of coffee, right? Every coffee has a score from, you know, essentially zero to a hundred. Mm -hmm. And that determines its value on the market until it cups past sort of like an 86. And then it's more like capitalism where the producer will tell you what he thinks the coffee's worth and so forth. And so, and that's where Onyx's floor is. So we buy 86 and above coffee, okay. which we have set for the last about five years and is what we think is the highest like floor in, in the industry, or at least in the United States for sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, and I think that is, um, and that brings up a good point because I know, you know, obviously your price point's a little higher yeah. than some other places, but- Yeah, we're far too damn expensive. We get those emails all the time. <laughs> <laughs> for a cup of coffee, right? Right. right. It should be. I mean, I think people in their minds, they still see coffee five cents. Right. And that's that's the challenge. That yeah. that's what you're struggling with. Yeah. I mean it's a it's almost annoying because like what other product that's grown, you know, ten thousand miles away by a team of fifty that's like highly labor intensive that then has to like, you know, be processed, exported, imported, roasted, brewed, and then sold in a cup should be a dollar. Like it 
the economics are like baffling. Yeah. Well, and people make the same arguments it, you know, about it just, wine. It just doesn't. Yeah, but I think I, you know, with wine, it's like wine's like our older brother of coffee, right? So like, yeah. we're always like looking at wine, and we're like, yeah, people value wine. Like right. they at least. Why don't they value? There's coffee? like this understanding, at least that right. If like when we like it blows people's minds that we'll like we just released a rare varieties box set that sold out in 18 hours, which was was awesome for 75 dollars, which is it's not honestly that expensive for a rare varieties type of thing and the amount of feedback is sort of like at least locally is a bit like i can't believe someone would pay 75 dollars for a pound of coffee yeah and, and i get it in a way but i just and that's not something we should we preach that like hey you should drink this every day because yeah. that's not the economics either right it's just that the, it's okay to have multiple tiers and to be accepting of that right because there's a lot of hard work that goes into these things yeah well i think you know you have your daily grind no pun intended sure. that you use and then you have your stuff that you pull out on special occasions sure. and you have somebody over and and i think if people look at coffee like that then it right. makes sense that right. okay yeah i get this special kind so i'd be curious to ask you because i always wonder this from a freshness perspective, if I were to buy that special that you just mentioned, yeah. how long should I expect that to last? If preserve, I mean, if you know, right? Packaged I mean, properly, you know, I think a month you're okay. you're good with that. After yeah. that, like the complexities and some of the aromatics start to dissipate a little bit, and extraction become a little bit harder. But you know, realistically, two months you'd still be okay. After that, it would start to really degrade pretty quickly. You know, somewhat depending on the variety of coffee and where it kind of like the denser coffee is, the longer a shelf life it sort of has. We want to get into that. But. No, I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, some yeah. people want to know, right? Because I mean, sure. a, lot, a lot of people just, you know, I'm always asking, I go to visit somebody like, hey, you want some coffee? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I'm always like, well, how long, have you, you know, if, right. if it's like, Oh, I have, you know, I don't drink because I, I, especially if it's somebody I know that doesn't drink coffee, I'm right. like, how long have you had this? Oh, this has been like a, 11 months. I've, right. I've just no. been sitting here or it's in the freezer and I'm like, it's got freezer burn. I right. mean, I'm just like, that's not, uh, <laughs> that doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, in theory, you want like, like three weeks, I would say is a safe, just like rule of thumb from roast. Yeah. Depending on how you're brewing. I mean, if you're, if you're doing espresso, like for us, we like espresso 10 days off roast filter maybe five or six days off roast yeah and then but you know there's a little bit of play there depending on what you want as long as you know that it will sort of change and it'll extract it differently so it'll it'll actually become more like a little bit sweeter the longer it ages yeah and a little less acidic but then some of the like special floral notes and stuff will start to dissipate pretty quickly but it's almost like thinking because I, I mean that's never been my mentality. But it's almost like you should never like bulk up on coffee because correct you should it's you should treat yeah. it like a loaf of bread or right. milk and it's got an expiration date right. and this is really only going to be good in this window. Uh huh. Yeah. Strangely enough, like our you know a majority of what we sell leaves the state right. Like ninety five percent of what we roast leaves the state of Arkansas. That's that is our market. But half I feel like our sales job is like convincing people not to buy so much. We're like, hey, just like buy more frequently, <laughs> but don't order so much. Right, like, so we right. are always editing orders down for those reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the one reason why I have, I've stopped going to the big box stores to buy my coffee because, you know, I can only consume but so much. And I drink coffee every day, but right. I'm like, I want to get a small amount so that I can get a quality, right. uh, quality coffee. So you brought up the fact that Onyx is out of state, which I don't think a lot of people realize. And I happened to be blown away. I was sitting at a friend's house in Boston, of all places, mm. and they had a bag of Onyx. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a minute. So so where is Onyx available now? So Onyx is, uh, I mean, we, 
we roast our main business, like I kind of talked about earlier, is like we are focused on coffee people, right? So mm-hmm. our our main business is roasting for other high-end cafes like around the country. So we're in all 50 states okay. and, and all the different islands of Hawaii if you want to go visit. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so we ship we shipped all 50 states and then we roast for quite a few cafes in like uh, Canada, like Toronto and Hong Kong, Singapore, uh, the UAE mm-hmm. uh, is a big buyer, especially coffee right now. So we do a lot. We ship a lot of coffee to Dubai. And then... I would say within that portion of that is like a direct consumer. So through either our subscription model or just buying from our e-commerce site that we ship, you know, totally worldwide, kind of everywhere. But our, you know, a bulk of what we do is wholesale to other cafes, to other baristas or owners uh, to serve, serve our coffee. And those are sometimes different offerings than we have even in the stores. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So we roast around... 10,000 pounds a week or so. Wow. wow. Um, That's a lot of coffee. And then, yeah. I mean, then, from a specialty perspective. Yeah, yeah. 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 It keeps us, keeps us busy. Like Dakota just flew to Columbia today to work on some fresh harvest. So he's, that's what's so great about having And someone. how long will he be there? He'll probably be there about six days, really, just to meet with a few cooperatives and a couple of producers we already work with. Okay. Cup through two or 300 coffees and, and hopefully buy four or five micro lots and and, and when will that coffee back. end up here that will end up here from columbia it'll take about 45 days okay unless he's cupping what would be called like type samples and which is like a preview of the harvest sort of and then depending on the way that coffee was processed it may need to stay at origin a little bit longer okay yeah Wow. So talk to me. Um, when I came in here this morning, you were mm-hmm. um, you were doing a, I, they said it was a sensory experience. Yeah. So, so what is uh, We're that? just cupping. Just cupping. Yeah. So cupping is like the term used for, yeah, for, for tasting coffee, whether that's scoring or for us today, we were just checking production. So we cup twice a day. Okay. So we cup, a, a, we roast, you know, in small batches and then we take a small sample of that batch and then we will cup that that batch before it gets packaged and shipped out to make sure everything is right. And so that's like one of the levels of quality control we have. Summer, who is head of our QC now, she literally cups every batch of every coffee we ever produce. And she... So she controls the ability to stop something if you say this is not quite right. Right. Okay. And she's kind of amazing. Not crazy often. Like I would say... Maybe once a week, we pull a batch. Um, more so, we pull like when we made a mistake buying coffee, which is, is very common. I would say, honestly, 20% of the coffee we buy never is released as Onyx. Really? So, it goes straight to Anonymous, which is sort of kind of what I talked about earlier. It's right. like kind of a... It's one of the reasons that keeps us honest and, and one of the ways that we think we set the bar so high is that normally, you know, you buy, pick your coffee, a container from Kenya... And if it's a high in auction lot, it's going to be five to seven dollars a pound green coffee wise, and a container is forty thousand pounds. So, you know, you make a mistake; it's a two hundred thousand dollar mistake. Right. <laughs> I know I look super cool. I can't take that hit. Right. Right. So, what happens? And this is every roastery I'm essentially talking about right now. You blend it or you serve it because chances are it gets mixed with, if it's a cafe, white chocolate and milk, and you don't know that there's two parts less citric acid in it and therefore it's a lower scoring coffee. Like no one, you know, most people don't care, right? And so it either is blended away or it's put in milk or it's thrown into cold brew or whatever. It's just not wasted. 
and it's yeah it's it's compromised in some way yeah. and um and this would be anything below that 86 percent right. threshold okay right. I and so you. for us what we do is that everything we either buy or we do in production every day is cupped what's called blind so essentially we don't know what we're tasting mm-hmm. so everything is scored and then we would market if it's cut poorly and then that just moves to anonymous without us knowing so that way because i know what the coffee costs or what we bought and i i will be biased no matter what right mm-hmm. like if i know there's a six-figure price tag attached to the acidity <laughs> right. level of a coffee right. you can't help but think like is it an 85.5 or yeah, is it exactly. an 86 yeah. right it's like, like let's just let that too... slide through exactly so um this allows us to be super honest and say like uh, no, we are a true quality first operation that like we're not worried about the finances of it. If you flag it, you flag it, it'll move and we'll try to break even on Onyx and our on anonymous. And so that's really what that second company is there for is, is it's purely there to break even on all my stupid mistakes. <laughs> Well, like, and like, I love that. Uh, I think, uh, the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin says the standard is the standard. That's and you're, right. You're never going to deviate from that. And there's a reason why companies that are successful that have historically stayed true to whatever their roots are. Yeah. There's a reason for that. And certainly you guys, even in your seven years of being in business, you have found a standard and you're living by that. And you've created an outlet. I mean, that's what anonymous is for. Right. That allows you to still not let things go to waste. So, and that's, I like, that's a nice setup. Thanks. Yeah, it, it, it's worked so far. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're pretty open about it. And it, uh, I think it does give confidence to, especially like uh, the other people in the industry, our suppliers that are interested in, in what happens, where do, where do the compromises go? Because if you're in the industry, you know they happen somewhere, right? right. No one hits a home run every time. And right. so- we just like being really open about, hey, this is what we do with our mistakes and you don't have to stress about it. You know? Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, obviously, what, what, what's, if you could see, I mean, I'm just for the people listening to this audience, I mean, if you could see this place, I mean, it's got exposed brick. I mean, it reminds me of something in Tribeca in New York City. <laughs> uh, it's got that feel. I mean, you've got somebody working on a mural behind me that they're, that's probably going to be really cool. What's next for Onyx? What are you, what are you hoping to accomplish? Yeah, so we have a couple of new kind of brick and mortar projects in the works and okay. we have been we're sort of like a bit of a transparent company to a fault in a lot of ways. <laughs> One is which we're we're real open that we want, you know, we want to have a cafe in every downtown of Northwest Arkansas. That's a real goal for us. Okay. And the cafes, you know, we don't want to have a ton of stores and just cookie cutter things. I mean, we we really take our time with expansion on the physical cafes because they are sort of like the face of our company. Again, they're not the meat of the company, but they are the sort of the heart and soul of it. And so that is still a long-term goal for us to open up a few more places in the area. And then really from there, it's just expanding our roasting and our our wholesaling, our direct consumer going forward and finding nicer and nicer coffees, opening new relationships, and then pushing, you know, what hopefully the specialty coffee bar even higher and higher. So that's, you know, we we said earlier, but we want to be known as, the you know, the best roaster in the United States. That's something we're really pushing for. And not just be known from a pride standpoint, but that's what we want to be too, because we're we're a believer in specialty. I mean, I can, we don't have enough time, but I'd preach the specialty coffee gospel all day long all day about long. how I'd, you know, yeah. I don't think, you know, I don't know. It's not a popular thing to say, but if your coffee is not it, 
not semi-expensive, or at least what you might think is expensive, like it's probably not ethical and it's probably inducing a whole lot of terrible things that you don't want to know about. And I'm, so I'm, and you talking, you're really speaking to the whole fair trade, right? I mean, or just, yeah, even within that, I mean, it, you know, fair trade is a, I want to get a bunch of people in trouble with it, but it like, even, even the statement fair trade is really funny, right? Like you hear that, or maybe, I don't know, your sister shares some Facebook article where she probably only read the headline anyways of some like poor child that's on a farm, right? And so we just think we're we're doing the world good when we buy the fair trade coffee at Costco for $6 a pound, which is absolutely ludicrous in the way economics work. But fair trade, really what it means is like there is data behind it. It's not just to feel good. Like fair trade means that the coffee, no matter what the C market does on the commodity market, that coffee can be only be traded for a dollar forty. Like that's the floor of it. Right now, it could go higher if you had some pull, but for the most part, like that's the floor, which is great right now because the C market's like I don't know a dollar two or something. Yeah. So that sounds like it's a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you look at cost of production for coffee, and it's on average like a dollar twenty to a dollar sixty, depending on what country you live in. Yeah. So really, you're either like losing twenty cents, netting even, or making twenty cents a pound, which is essentially will cause like cyclical hunger and poverty for the rest of that person's life. Right. Where the change happens is not to say grow more coffee or produce a higher yield or whatever. If we can meet with a producer and take their cupping score from an 82 to an 86 based on drying techniques, fertilizer, certain things in agronomy, things we've seen at other places going on, that coffee will sell for $4 a pound because it's good. Not because they marketed well or because they joined a fair trade cooperative or they have some certification mark that makes a bunch of white people feel better here in Arkansas. <laughs> but like, it just is like good, right? Yeah. It, yeah. Like, what a weird thought that like quality things make more money. And so, yeah, so like specialty coffee is when you look at it as a whole, and this isn't a line statement, like specialty coffee is the only ethical coffee you could ever buy. It's also like the only real way that you're going to survive growing coffee. Right. Um, and there's a real crisis with that, like not in a weird shock factor, but like like if you look at Columbia, you can go to the Federation, which is the, the government-controlled coffee association. It is the most tax dollars for Columbia, so it's the strongest party essentially right. there. they You have to pay six cents a pound to export out of Columbia. They have a lot of data. The average age of a Colombian coffee producer right now is 64 years old. Because most coffee producers are generational, which is great. Their son or daughter took over the farm and their great-grandfather was a producer and their great-great-grandfather was a producer. And it turns out that after you see five generations in poverty and you can go invest in computers, you don't really want to take over the family farm in Nariño anymore. And so, so you know, a decade from now, we're going to be in a real... This thing that we all love, that we all take for granted, like there's going to be some issues. I mean, are people like yourself and others that look at coffee the way that you do trying to band together to see how you can help solve it? Or is it just a fact of we just need to continue to keep buying as much as we can? Oh, no. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people. I mean, I, we are definitely not the uh, the only torchbearer of something sure. like this. You know, sure. the especially the Coffee Association of America, which is the largest coffee association. That's That's probably one of the reasons we were in Boston last time. They move their meeting every year, but they'll be half a million people that go from all over the world to try to promote high-end specialty coffee because of a lot of reasons, because it's good business. People like the 
the sensory side of it. I mean, who doesn't like drinking good coffee? But also because it is the future of coffee. Like, especially coffee is only the top 10% of all coffee produced. Um, but it's the most profitable and it's the only one that doesn't keep producers like in cyclical debt, right? And so anything that we do, you see people do later. Like it, it and that's, that's probably the most responsible thing of specialty is it's, it's not like, like we could triple in size and we wouldn't make a dent in coffee in reality. But what our influence is, is, and I'm talking especially coffee as a whole, is whatever we do now is what Starbucks will do eight years from now, right? Like we've all been roasting very light for a long time. They introduced blonde roast eight years ago, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's great. And now you can taste the quality or the lack of quality that's in the coffee because the lighter you roast, the less you taste of the roaster and the more you taste of the coffee. Right. Um, but those things are good too in that like we see that we can change big business over time through the trends that we do now, right? Yeah. Because Starbucks is now puts the country they buy from or puts the region they buy from before it was just a generic blend, right? And even even little things like that make a vast difference in the like public knowledge of what coffee is. I mean, most, you know, for something that's so widely consumed, I would say that most people don't know coffee is a fruit, mm. right? Or yeah. a cherry or that it's this really hard crop that takes five years to produce one pound of coffee when you first plant. Like the amount of investment and risk in coffee is like unbelievable, you know? I don't think people understand I mean, they don't, but you're, you're, you're kind of helping, you're kind of helping educate and you've certainly taken me to school today. So, <laughs> well, so. I'm get on my soapbox. You yeah. can go all day long. <laughs> no, no, it's, and it's good. I, I mean, I see your passion. I mean, I wish people could see this, but I mean, clearly this is something that you really care about. And I want to switch gears just a little bit right before we close, because I want to ask you your thoughts and view of the business climate here in Northwest Arkansas and how sure. you've been able to be successful with the way things are here. And that's not to say that yeah. they're bad. I'm just no, saying, you no, know, no. just... I mean, this area is amazing as far as... I mean, I, I I personally love this area. I also think it is a bit of a haven for entrepreneurs in that, you know, we started... I mean, technically, we started Anonymous in 2008 mm -hmm. with, you know, the, the financial crisis. I mean, we were in a bubble here in Northwest Arkansas compared to the rest of the country, right? And so that has really, I think, given us a leg up on a lot of things over time. And one thing that I like about the area is that people are, community is maybe the wrong word, but like they're very supportive, even competitors. And I think there's a tight-knit bond between the small businesses that have made it here or medium-sized businesses or whatever you want to call it that have banded together and really helped. And, you know, there's obviously like the three big guys in the room all the time with like their <laughs> puppet strings doing things. And, right. And I can appreciate, you know, like what, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word Walmart. On yeah, of like, course. I can appreciate Absolutely. what they've done. And at the same time, like totally poke fun at them all day long, which I find that people that work for Walmart enjoy anyways, because right. everyone, everyone knows the elephant in the room. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, there's this, what I thought of, like when I look at Benville, for instance, it's like. To me, Walmart bought as much culture as they could, and it seemed super fake for a very long time. And then all of a sudden, that fakeness started creating real culture. And then now real people are moving there and doing like pretty cool things. And so maybe their long-term plan worked. I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, uh, I think the story is still being written. Correct. And um, That would make sense. Yeah. And what you're saying makes a really good point is simply that you, know, you need some people to get the ball rolling. 
Right. But then, you know, what Sam Walton started, what J.B. Hunt started, what Don Tyson started, mm-hmm. you know, people like yourself and Matt well, Cooper I don't know that and I'm so quite many with those others. Guys, but yeah. Well, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> sure. it's just this idea that, yeah. you know, let, let's face it. I mean, when Sam started Walmart, I mean, right. it, it was an entrepreneurial sure. exper- experiment. Yeah. And he was able to turn something small into something large. We could be talking 10 years from now and saying, wow, I remember Onyx win. And not to say that you're going to become some large coffee right. behemoth, but still growing to a point where you're able to not only employ a bunch of people and take care of a bunch of families, both here in the States as well as in other parts of the world, because sure. your ability to reach and impact, if people really start drinking Onyx off the charts, not only does it affect everybody here in Northwest Arkansas, but it also starts to affect families around the world. And I'm sure you're aware of that and realize the potential for what what Onyx can be. Yeah, I think I, I go back and <laughs> forth on it. You know, it's like sometimes I wish that we just clocked out at five and right. like we could go home. Yeah. And other times I, I mean, the educational aspect and the physical coffee part of it, you know, we love. Like we, like yesterday we had a producer in from Guatemala giving a talk here and it's like, it's just great to see that kind of aha moment with people understanding where it's from. But man, I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> it's like you just want to be done and like, yeah. I just want to move to Medellin and sit. Call it a day. Call it a day and move call to South America and go chill. I don't know. Yeah. But it is a it is a good area for that. And I mean, we love, obviously, we love Northwest Arkansas and we want, you know, we want it to be known for something spectacular. I mean, I think that's one of the fun things is that we get lumped in at least with most people with you know the top five roasters at least in the country and i love that it's in arkansas and not on the west coast like it just pisses off all the san francisco <laughs> and, and the la like, roasters and so, like so and they buy more of again? our coffee than any of us yeah. right we sell more in la than we do yeah. in arkansas but that's like, funny i love that that makes them mad and in a funny way at least and yeah. so i don't know i don't know what our success here ends up being but i think maybe like because there's a, such a large corporate environment here we can be that like just a taste of punk rock for all the right. suits that they can like feel like they're a little rebellion when they're having Absolutely. coffee here. And then Absolutely. they can go on to their desk job and like put villages out of business or whatever they do. <laughs> but like they can at least have their cup here and feel like they're still connected somehow. Yeah. No, no. Uh, and I'm all for it. <laughs> Let's keep have it going. It. Let's keep it going. I just ruined your podcast. No, but. no, no, no. I love that. I, I mean, that's the whole idea with the podcast. Like I said, is the, <laughs> it's a long form interview and it gives people a chance to be real. You know, somebody told me the other day that they were, they really enjoyed my podcast. They were on um, KNWA or one of the other stations for a show and they were like, yeah. we only had three minutes right. to talk about it, but you obviously can go a lot deeper here and, you know, somebody can listen to this while they're running and, and really uh, get a chance to have a greater appreciation. Maybe they're already a customer of Onyx, but they now look at Onyx at a whole different level because I know I do. I thought I knew enough. I've read a lot about you guys, but yeah. I just wanted you to kind of you know, take me to church today, no pun intended, on coffee, and you did. And so I really appreciate it and thank you. And and certainly as you close out, what does, you know, the best coffee man, coffee roaster do in Northwest Arkansas when you're not drinking coffee? Where do you like to go eat and hang out here in Northwest Arkansas? And I don't want to put you on the spot or make any of your restaurant friends mad at you. Uh, But uh, So recently, Barclay has been my jam because I'm a pretty big natural wine fan. Okay. And I think they have a pretty great wine program. Obviously, the bar above our roastery, the Foreman, I think has 
you know, unbelievable selection. So I hang out there. Jason Paul's a good friend of mine. So heirloom. You know, heirloom <laughs> You know, he's not a good enough friend that I can get reservations every night. Oh my gosh. But, it's like uh, you need you need a couple months in advance right? to get in there. So but no, it's I mean, he he has a very similar mentality, I think, in the culinary aspect of things and, and so we connect on a lot of different levels and I have a lot of respect for what he does. That's um, cool. You know, Oven and Tap I think is fantastic. Yeah. And that's usually where you end up bringing in a lot of clients a lot because it's comfort food and also a little bit elevated and good. Cooper's amazing. I mean, I, I make friend a rope swing probably once a day. So I like having friends also within the company because right. they're all, they're all really good people. They even are, when I poke are. fun at, uh, wow, we won't even get into that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. All, all the guys here, Yayos, I mean, all the Springdale taquerias are my jam. Uh, there's some good pupuserias opening up here. Salvadorian food is, is a big part of my life because I spent a lot of time in San Salvador. Yeah. And, um, so there's, I feel like there's a, a a good amount of um, Salvadorian food opening up. Right, that's legit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I know we were talking. I still would like to have some injera and get some Ethiopian food here. That would I, be nice. That I would can't be nice. Seem to, uh, e- e- that Ethiopian out. food would be great if we could figure something out. And yeah, um, maybe as, that should be your next calling, my friend. I, yeah, we'll, we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to look into that. So, man, I really appreciate you taking the time, John, to um, have us down here. Uh, to this beautiful building. If you guys have not been here before, I think the address is 101 East Walnut. Yeah. And uh, that's right here at the corner. You see they have a really cool sign out front. There's a guy behind me putting up uh, what's probably going to be an amazing mural at some point in time in the very near future. And listen, just come down here, get a croissant. The croissants look like they do in the patisseries in, in France, but get a croissant, have uh, an oat milk latte, and just enjoy what onyx is all about and if you can't do it here in rogers there's an onyx in bentonville there's an onyx in fayetteville at uh township and greg and then is there an onyx in springdale soon to be soon to be okay see that calls things into existence so yeah so there's onyx all around support what john is doing support not only him and the employees here at onyx but also the growers that are growing amazing coffee so John, thank you so much. Appreciate you uh, being on the podcast. Thanks, Randy. Yeah. Well, folks, there you have it. John Allen, Onyx Coffee Labs, just really an amazing guy, a wealth of knowledge. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Like I said, John took us to school today and gave us a proper education on coffee, what it means to drink good coffee. And from now on, if it's not 86% or higher, I'm not even interested in it anymore. I, I'm I'm looking at coffee. Matter of fact, I'm got I've got some coffee in my in my um pantry that I'm throwing away as soon as I get home, and I'm gonna buy some new coffee from John. So I want to support what they're doing, and and uh, certainly their story is still at the in the early stages. So uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. And again, remember we bring and bridge the intersection of business culture, entrepreneurship, and life here in the Ozarks. And uh, we want to tell your story. So if you have an interesting story to tell, we'd love to have you on the show. Reach out to us at randy at imnorthwestarkansas.com and we'll connect with you soon. We'll see you next Monday at 12 noon with another brand new episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. That's all we have for now. Make it a great day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. 
For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.